Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Marguerite Penrose was born in St. Patrick's Mother and Baby Home on the Navan Road in Dublin in 1974. And during the pandemic over the last 18 months, Marguerite wrote a piece about her life. It was subsequently published on the Black and Irish Instagram page. And the interest in Marguerite's story, I think it's fair to say, has been non-stop ever since. So much so that she's actually published a book about it. Uh, Marguerite is with us in studio today. Thanks for, for coming in, for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure. Um, maybe give, give us a little bit of a brief snapshot, I suppose, Marguerite, of your background. Um, what do you know about your, your birth parents? Um, well, kind of from the beginning, I suppose, um, from the age of three, um, when I was old enough to realise, I was informed that um, my mum is indeed from Dublin. Um, so her name is Elizabeth. And then my father was um, a cadet from the army over who came over from Zambia. So back then, I think from 1967, 68, a couple of cadets came over, different groups to the Curragh, um, to the Irish army for training. Um, so my mum and him seemed to have met and formed a relationship. And then my mum became pregnant with myself. Um, unfortunately, from what I know, uh, my father was posted back home to Zambia. And um, that was the September before I was born. So September 73 mm. and I was born January 74. So Zambian Irish uh, combination. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Were you born in the mother and baby home? Um, no, I was born in St. James Hospital. It was maternity then at that stage as well. So I was was born in Dublin here, yeah, and then would have transferred. So I probably would have spent a couple of days with my mum in the hospital and then went to St. Patrick's on the Navan Road. We don't have 100% information um, because that's one thing about being adopted or coming from mother and baby home institution, um, industrial school. You don't get the full story. You're not, we don't have access to your full records. Tell us about um, your your adoption from yeah. the mother and baby home. Oh, your amazing story! Yeah, so um, Nolina Michael Penrose yeah. and my sister Kira um, fostered me from the age of three. So it was actually my dad's auntie's neighbour was a nurse um, in uh, the mother and baby home in St Patrick's, and dad was in having lunch with his auntie one day, and um, Mona came in and asked my dad, "Would mum and dad be interested in fostering a child for Christmas?" So dad said, oh, I'll have a think and we'll go home and speak to Nolan. So home we went and said it to my mum and um, they were given a picture of me, I think, at that stage. So mum was like, oh, sure, let's see what will happen. And re- really, that's how it happened. It was really that simple. The rest in, is history. Yeah, the rest is history. There was a lot of paperwork, obviously, yeah. um, to do. But yeah, thanks to Mona. This is how I'm with the right. amazing family that I've been with since I was three. So it was three years of age you went for what effectively yeah. would have been a, a Christmas break exactly. really, wasn't yeah. it, Marguerite? Yeah. yeah, because of my medical condition, I've sco- uh, congenital scoliosis, so curvature of the spine. Mine would be quite extreme. Um, I was quite sick when I was younger, so I was due to come to them for the first time um, on uh, Christmas Eve. Mm. But unfortunately, I was sick and uh, I, I wasn't released um, for the visit but mum and dad then got to take me then uh, during Christmas instead. So I was introduced to all the families. And from then on, I came home for weekends um, for a good while. And then it was made permanently that I was placed with them for adoption. or Sorry, for fostering. So the reason I was fostered is because due to my medical condition, I had a lot of surgeries and everything to do. So I was still at ward estate until um, coming up to my 16th birthday then. Okay. Um, I 
then started the formal proceedings um, with my parents um, to be adopted. And I was adopted officially, I think it was a week before my 17th birthday. And yeah. w- was Kira born at that stage? Yeah, we're actually the same age. Um, ah, I'm three right. months older. Right. So yeah, Kira was alive and kicking at that stage. So yeah, it was great that a sister would welcome you so lovingly into the family. Um, we were kind of raised like twins because we made our communion together, our confirmation. We were in the same year in school. Yeah. We were initially in the same class when we were younger, but uh, they separated us because... Uh, Kira was looking after me too well, you know, being overprotective. <laughs> it's not a lovely yeah. complaint though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's a great sister, you know, always by my side 24-7. Um, and she's a mum now herself and I have two lovely nephews, um, Drew, Kira, and Dave. And then I have new nieces now since uh, reuniting with my uh, brothers, Collie and James, there quite recently too. Tell us about that. Yeah, so another uh, amazing story to add to these crazy last few years that I've had. So I started to kind of investigate about my biological family. Um, I suppose it was always in my head. I just kind of didn't really speak about it again. So three year, just over three years ago, I registered with Tulsa and um, to get a caseworker to begin the proceedings. So it was then that I found out maybe after doing a couple of sessions uh, with my caseworker, Margaret, that unfortunately my mum had passed away. So I knew at that stage I was never going to meet her. But to be honest, prior to that, I just had a feeling she wasn't alive anymore. Um, so maybe that's kind of what spurred me on a little bit. Um, Why did you have that feeling, Margaret? Do you know what? It's funny, but now that I've met my brothers, the connection is absolutely 100% there. It was like we have never been apart. So I really feel that the connection to my mum, even since younger, is there. Um, they've said, since said, you know, uh, between them and, you know, their lovely wives and that I have my mum's characteristics and traits and things I do that remind me of, uh, that remind them of, of me. So of her, I should say. So it is interesting that it's it's proof that, you know, connection is always there no matter mm. what, you know. So, yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. I've been welcomed 100%. Um, and it's not easy. You're coming into... Yes, they're my brothers, but you're still coming into their lives, uh, their wives' lives, you know, their children's lives, their whole family. So um, it's not easy for them and like my own family as well. Uh, but we've all gelled really well. And I'm, I really want to say like uh, how grateful I am to them, you know, because it was, it was a daunting experience. I thought maybe we'd meet and we might have the odd phone call, you know, once or twice a year. I never expected to be welcomed and have them as such a huge part of my life yeah. every day now. So, yeah, a huge bonus. And were they aware of your existence? And um, They were, yeah. So years ago, they were told when they were quite young, um, they were about 18 and 17 and 18. Um, there's still some family members I have to meet yet. So um, not everybody was fully aware. My mum's siblings would have been aware. Mm. Um, but again, you know, you have to remember it was 1974. She's had different a, Ireland. A, a completely different Ireland. She'd had a black child. Uh, she was unmarried at the time. Catholic Church rules. Look at mother and baby institutions, mother and baby homes, whatever you want to call them. And the stigma is still here today. So that's a huge part of the book as well of like, I need to own my story for other people to listen and for other people to be able to come out and say, you know what, this happened to me. This affected us. Mm. Every family, I think, has this story. You know, from what I'm hearing, the messages I get from total strangers. I got one message from a guy and said, you know, um, I heard you speaking on the radio. My mum actually came up to us and told us that she had had a child years ago. We always knew there was something amiss with her, with the mum. 
but they didn't know what it was and that's exactly what had happened yeah. to her. You talked about, just when you mentioned that about, yeah. you know, um, race issues yeah. growing up and, yeah. and look, your story and you've, you know you've you, you've you've outlined it there in a in a very um in a in a brief summary, um you were writing about this and you published it on the black and and Irish Instagram page yeah. and such was the interest because just listening to you it's you know it's, it's fascinating the the you know just when you, you listening to you talking Marguerite, um you published a book and you called the book yeah but where are you really from, yes. and it really does strike a like is that a common question a hundred percent yes. Um, that was actually the title that was probably one of the first things that came to me apart from having to delve into the brain for the for the memories but yeah like the amount of people that have messaged saying how much that resonates with them mm. um, in Ireland and again I say this a lot we are very curious we want to connect with people we are very much about connection so a lot of the time it is just curiosity but uh, an awful lot of the time as well it's another issue it is a race issue it is a cultural issue it is a, yeah, but you're not really Irish because you're not white or you don't have freckles or, you know. Um, so they're delving to find out where, like, you know, I literally, they're only short of asking me to see my birth certificate, you know. So um, so if somebody says to you, you know, where are you from? And I'll say Dublin. Mm. That should be enough. There shouldn't be a second question to that. But time and time again, there is. And growing up in the 80s when yeah. you're kind of in the, <laughs> you know, you're you're with um, Mick and Nolene and, yeah. and Kira. And yeah. you're now in school. Yeah. Did that second follow up question always come? Do you know what? In school, there wasn't a lot of it because okay. I think children are more accepting, especially in primary school. If anything, it was like you were a novelty. You know, people always wanted to be your friend. Um, so again, I'm a very friendly person. So are my family. So we would be quite, you know, open to chatting to everybody. Um, so it's a great thing like that. Um, so I wouldn't have noticed it as much when I was younger. Again, when I was being brought to places, like mum and dad would always say to me, you know, people will be staring at you. It's only because you're gorgeous. It was always in a positive light. It was never because of my race or, you know, where somebody else thought mm. I might be from. Um, I think they wanted it instill just for me to be proud of who I was, proud of my colour, which I am. And, you know, I never wanted to be a different colour. Um, on that Black and Irish page, anybody that goes on and has a read of it. Like, there's such sad stories that the amount of people that said, I just don't want to be black, you know, I don't want to be mixed race. I just want to be the same as everybody else. But, you know, when you look at us as a whole, as um, a human race, nobody is the same. Twins are different. Even if they're identical, we still have our own identity. So I think it's about owning your own identity, you know, and inclusivity. There was nobody, you know, that looked like me apart from Phil Linnett back then, you know, living in Ireland what I would have seen, you know. Mm. So um, I suppose having representation is huge. And today, kids growing up have representation yeah. because they're in school with people that are completely, you know, every culture, you know, no matter where they're born. And it's more accepting um, in primary school anyway. Have things changed enough? Have we gone, like, what's your view of kind of where we're at at the moment? Is Is Ireland really a welcoming country. It's, it's something yeah. we've been talking about here on the show actually in, in recent weeks. Good question. But... Sadly, I, I have to say no. Um, I think when you look at Ireland now as a whole, you know, the cultures, the different people, the different races, you'd think that racism would be less, but in fact, it's huge. Like take any story, you know, in the news, you, you yourself, you know, speak about it a lot. Um, so you know the stories mm. are there. So this is why it's important to speak up. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I'm love you know the fact that I found my voice and I'm able to talk about this but I really shouldn't have to it shouldn't be an issue 
like you know um, white people born in Ireland don't have to talk about why they're white and why they're living in Ireland whereas you know black people mixed race whatever you want to describe yourself as we're constantly defending you know where we're from the colour of our skin um, you know so it is an uphill battle um, I think by talking about it you know by being given these opportunities for the likes of news talk um, and everybody like that this is what we need you mm. need to hear our voices you need to see us we need to be represented both in media in, in every angle you know when Black Lives Matter blew up I've never seen so many black people in my life on magazines newspapers it was like an overkill yes it was amazing but we need to keep that momentum mm. up because we were all still here before Black Lives Matter so whilst it's brilliant I just hope that you know by, by chatting to each other you know by being accepting cancel culture doesn't work you know people make mistakes people say the wrong thing that's okay if you're okay. willing to change you have to be accepting you know I'm not going to think back and 1985 when somebody said something horrible yeah. to me and hold that against them okay. forever. So cancel culture yeah. has to go, I think. Yeah. Did you ever see yourself as an author? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's funny. I loved English when I was younger. I did write poetry and I loved writing an essay. I would have always said I'd love to write a book, but I honestly never dreamed that I was going yeah. to do it. It was completely done on impulse. It was one night in October and I just said it was after the Black and Irish as well. And I just said, you know what? I got such a good reception. Maybe I'll just write a little few words. Mm. So, and that's how but it sure began. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but where are you? Where are you really from? By Marguerite Penrose. It, it must have been a proud moment seeing it in the shelves. I actually haven't seen it on a shelf yet. Have you not? No, today I will. Yeah, I haven't been to. A oh, you shop. need to go over to. I will. Yeah, and I have <laughs> and my, get a I have my launch in Eason's tonight in Stephen's Oh, Street, Fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, it's a big day. I'm very, very proud. Um, it's great. It's a great achievement to be published by Penguin I mean I know, that is yeah. the dream you know I'm totally blown away by it and the team they're absolutely amazing Best of luck with it Thank you so much Yeah I really hope the launch goes well oh, for you tonight so. um, Marguerite it's a fascinating um, story Just did you find it talking about it writing it all down does it help? It, do, it does help it was the therapy session I never knew I was going to have <laughs> it, was, it was hard it was hard even you know the comments from friends and family people are re- ringing me you know texting me saying I'm crying I'm laughing I'm doing everything so they said we didn't really realise what you went through so but I'm here to say you know everything that's happened it, it's all okay mm. you know it's positive you know we can get through it anybody can get through anything yeah. you know Well it's been a yeah. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks a million for, for coming in. Yeah, yeah. but where are you really from? By Marguerite Penrose, as I said, the launch is on later this evening. Marguerite, thanks, thanks a million for joining us here on the programme today. Um, we're going to be talking about well, competing with your kids. These are the two Ballymun brothers who are, have opened their own barbershop to compete with their dad's business. That's next. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.